0: Praise, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you, oh. God just gave me this picture of like our lives and and how often we just take, that we have a lot to pour out and give to during the week, you know, we've got a little bit to give to work, try to give a little bit to our families, to our friends, to this, to that. There's always something. Always something to give to. And, and I don't know about you, but in life, I just feel like there's so much always being given. You know, and, and sometimes we come into moments like this, and we stand before the Lord, and we want to give Him something, but we realize we got, I got nothing, God. I think it pulls us back to the place of a daily walk with Jesus, and a daily walk with allowing God to fill us up. Spending time with God on a, on a weekly basis, because if we're not really giving God praise on a daily basis, when it comes time for Sunday, we're like, what, what, what do I praise God for? But all week, we're just so focused on what God's doing. We're so thankful for what he's doing in our life on a daily basis. Then we get in moments like this, it's just like, I just want to pour it out, God. I've been holding it up in all through the week. And so I just want us to become a body that just lives praise, that lives that on a daily basis, that God's doing something in our life. And when we get together, it's just... it's just a special moment to pour out our praise. And so I, I just want you to just close your eyes for just a moment, and let's sing this chorus together and just really pour out praise to God. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you, own. it's your breath in our lungs, so we sp- The Hebrew word for, for spirit that we see in, the, in Genesis one where the spirit of God hovered out over the waters is the, the Hebrew word ruach. And really in the Hebrew language, they wouldn't even really say the word, it was more of a like oh, oh, oh. I can't even pronounce it because I'm not Hebrew and I can't speak fluent Hebrew. But they, they wouldn't. it wasn't even a word, it, it, was, it was breath because literally it meant the breath, the breath of God hovering out over the waters when it was formless and void. And we look into the New Testament and the word for spirit is pneuma and it's the same thing. It's the wind, the the breath of God. And so his breath filling us is the Holy Spirit filling our lives and flowing through us. And so that which we're giving is what he's given to us. So it's no sacrifice at all. God, speak into our lives today. Stir it up in our hearts to just be passionate about praising you and living a life of praise and and joy and passion, God, and we, we thank you for this time. I pray that, that joy would well up inside of us, God. If anyone does not know you in this place, then we would walk closer with you, God. You would draw us in by, by your spirit today, God, and we would come to know Christ in a greater and deeper way. We thank you for this fellowship to, time today, God, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Amen. It's good to see you guys. Everybody feeling good? Like The year's starting to roll, starting to get some traction back in the swing of things after a little holiday eating and hanging out. So it's so good to see you guys. Today's going to be a, a good day. Uh, to, if today's your first time at Fathom, I just want uh, to say I, I really pray this is a place where you can grow in faith, you can grow in family. And from our family to yours, we just want to tell you, home. you guys got it. Welcome home. We're, we're glad you're here. We actually started a series last week called Welcome Home. And uh, last, last week we celebrated our two-year anniversary of public ministry and we're just so excited about what God's been doing here and what He's going to do in the coming weeks and months and it's, uh, it's just cool and today we're going to launch our anchor groups and so I just want to share really on community and stuff but um, and, and just our relationships and what God desires for us in relationships with the, not only Him and the church uh, but, but just with one another today. So um, how many of you guys are introverts in the room? Raise your hand. Or just nod your head, that's what an introvert would do, like, yeah, just nod your head. If you're an extrovert, I want to hear you scream. There you go. So now that we've identified ourselves, let's make fun of ourselves. Let's make fun of ourselves a little bit this morning. I found some great memes online about introverts and extroverts, and I just thought they were worth sharing, and so uh, these guys are going to throw them up for us, Uh, if you'll begin those. Introverts unite, we're here, we're uncomfortable, and we want to go home. I need that sweatshirt, I need that sweatshirt. Uh... This is probably my favorite one. I want to be where the people aren't. It's obviously an, an introvert version of Little Mermaid. Introverts unitely, unite separately in their own homes. That's how we do things. This is how to make small talk. All you extroverts, are this how to do it. And um, this guy is the awkward yeti. Identify the introvert and then don't make small talk. That's how to do it. I love the yeti. He's like so relieved when the person walks by. Why introverts are like cats. I want to go out. And then two minutes later, I want to come back in. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go back in. Anybody, that's your world. That's your life. I feel that. Here's the difference between an extrovert. Extrovert, when they have to stay in, I'm staying in tonight. And an introvert's like, yeah, I'm staying in tonight. That's, that's our life. I'm an extrovert. I love this t-shirt, and I'd love to tell you about it. It's like what an extrovert would say, right? Can't wait to tell you all about it. I prefer not to think before speaking. I just like to be as surprised as everyone else by what comes out of my mouth. I don't know why she's a witch, not saying anything about extroverts. So, This is one of my favorite shows. I talk a lot, so I've just learned to tune myself out. <laughs> Some of you, like, that's your life. That's your life. Uh, the extrovert um, rooster here, cock-a-doodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo. Uh, the introvert's just going to type it. It's going to text it, right? Some of us uh, avoid the conversations. I think that's the last one. Um, we all have these different personalities, right, that how we're made up of. And this is probably one of the most obvious personality traits, introvert, extrovert, that we notice and how it affects our relationships. But th- there's something much deeper than our, really our personalities that I think unites us with every person on the, er- on the earth from every corner of the world. And it's that below our personalities are, are, are needs within each one of our lives, physical needs, emotional needs, and the most deep spiritual needs of our life that need to be filled. God's designed us that way. I believe every person on the face of the planet, every human feels this. It's a desire to have human connection that we could somehow understand one another's pain and struggles of the human life. Something that I would go deeper in and classify as the word community. This has become a buzzword in our world today, and more broadly, community is where you live, but I believe in a deeper sense, community is how we live, and who we live with, who we do life with. And so I want to begin to dive into the scriptures this morning, just a moment, Um, but I I watched this TED Talk, I actually posted it, it's worth going to check out, posted it this past week of a psychologist named Sherry Turkle, and Sherry had, had a few quotes regarding Uh, from her book uh, called Alone Together. I thought these were worth sharing. We're alone, but we're afraid of intimacy. These devices in our pockets are so psychologically powerful that they not only change what we do, but they're changing who we are. There's this illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship, that we're more connected generation than we've ever been in the history of society, we can connect with anyone at any part of the world. Literally, I was in the deep, deep bush uh, w- with Aboriginal people in Australia, and at their little community center that the government's built for them to make up for all the wrongs that have been done, there's a computer in there, and they all have Facebook. The deepest parts uh, of the bush of Australia, and like literally, you have to drive four hours to find a community. That's how desolate is. is. You'd have to drive five to six hours to find a church. Like that's how desolate uh, these areas are. And there's this connection, but somehow we're still alone and we're afraid of intimacy. And so regardless if you're an introvert or extrovert, there's this need inside of us that longs for human connection. And how that plays out and how those needs are met will look different in all of our lives. But I believe as Christians, God desires uh, what that looks like. And he has a plan for what that looks like within the body of Christ. And so we're going to go into Romans chapter 12 here in a moment, but uh, let me ask you a question. If you, because I really want to spend time in Romans chapter 11, the very end of it. If you get a letter in the mail from an old friend or an old teacher, I, I've never gotten a letter in the mail from an old teacher, but if, if you did, would you pick up right in the middle of it? 10 pages long, you pick up it at, at uh, page five? No, like you wouldn't do that. You would like, yeah, unless you're just like really bored and you really don't care. You're like, oh, let's skim through it. But most of the time, we're going to read from the beginning because we want to know what it actually says. Like, we want to make sense of it. But many times, like, many times when we pick up the Bible and we go to read, we're like, what day is it? It's the 18th. Like, let's go to chapter 18. Oh, there's no chapter 18. Well, let's go to chapter 8 and read verse 18. Like, sometimes we just do that kind of aimlessly, and I'm not beating up on that. But I also know that we have to know the context, and it matters. Sometimes we drop right into the middle of the letter, and we wonder, like, why we don't know what's talking about. Well, we might need to back up a step. So if we start Romans chapter 12, it begins with the word therefore. And before we can know the therefore, we've got to start with the before. What was before that makes this therefore so important? And so let's go to Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. All oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord and who's been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And chapter 12, we'll we'll begin with therefore. So in light of all of this, because of the riches, the wisdom, who's known the mind of God, who can repay him? Because of all that, we look at chapter 12 and it says, therefore, because of who God is, and so I want to talk to us today about really what it looks like living out intentional community. What it looks like to live out biblical community and living as the family of God that he's called us to be. What that actually looks like. And I think it starts here with, with in Romans 11 with a picture of who God is. And I'd say the starting place for us as believers today is to start with a proper view of God. It's a starting place. Because until we have a proper view of God, we're never going to have a proper view of ourselves, and we're never going to have a proper view of others. So many of us right now in this room, if you were to ask yourself, how do I view myself? I I think immediately so many of us and maybe all of us would say, you know, maybe it's a negative view of myself. Or I, I might think a little bit too much of myself. We usually find ourselves moving in one direction and hitting the pendulum until hopefully we find a good balance But I think if we take a step back and have a proper view of God, it's going to begin to purify how we view ourselves. I believe the same thing is true about others. If we find ourselves negatively viewing others and and speaking bad about people or always looking down on other people, or if you again, looking at everyone like they're, they're better than you and kind of have insecurities with that, I think we take a couple of steps back and we realize that we have an improper view of who God is. So I think starting with this key of who can repay him is really gonna birth so much good stuff. And so as we launch into our anchor groups this season, as we we, we begin to connect more in community, the family of God, my desire is that we start with a proper view of God. Because it's impacting how we look at ourselves and it's impacting how we look at other people. And really, this is that he has the all the wisdom and knowledge. Some of you in the house are parents, some of you in the house are teachers. Um, some of you uh, are a boss somewhere, or maybe you're an employee, or you just know what I'm talking about when I say um, I, my son sometimes will will backtalk me. Shocking! He's a 3 That's a new term out there, and I can agree with it completely. He is a three-nager, and um, I'm praying the fours are not a four-nager. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I hope he's hope he's not one of those. Um, but sometimes he's got a little smart mouth. He gets that honest, <laughs> and. Uh, I prayed, my mom said, look, your son's going to speak to you like you speak to me, and I'm like, please no, please no, because I was a smart aleck, Um, but he'll say some things, and I remember this back in the past, where we used to say, you better recognize, better recognize who you're talking to, and some of you teachers, you may have, or or bosses, you may have somebody that disrespects you in the way they talk, or communicating you, and you're like, you need to recognize who you're talking to, I brought you into this world, and I could take you out, yeah, we've heard that one before. And so uh, this part of, of, that we're talking about, a proper view of God, in, in fact, one of the, the parts here about who can uh, repay God or, or, or who owes him anything actually comes from a quote from the book of Job in, in Job chapter 41, which is so interesting. We all admire the book of Job, right? I mean, just how Job lived his life and was so faithful to God when everything was taken from his wife, his family, all his possessions, literally just ripped away from him. God allowed it to happen. And... and uh, and then if you ever, many times we, we don't notice the very end of the book because it's a really long book and it's like a lot to read. We get to the end of the book and Job is like, he's like, dude, I've hung in there. I haven't said a word. I've been faithful. And like there's this moment in Job where he just lets loose. He's like, God, I got to talk to you. Like, I just need to get this out. I need to get, get on the table. We had this, this uh, old lady at a, at a previous church we worked at. Um, she'd come around and put her arm around my shoulder. And she'd say, now, I, I don't want to tell you how to do your job but I just want to make a suggestion. What she was saying is like, I want to tell you how to do your job, and you should do this. Sometimes we do that with God, don't we? And, and, and so Job, that's what he did. He like, God, let me just make a suggestion here. And it's so crazy. Like most of us, in, if we're just we trying to like understand what's going to happen in the story next, what God's going to say, God is not okay with Job's back talk at any point in the scenario. And basically God says, you better recognize who you're talking to. That who should, who should ever, who can repay God? Who can discern his judgments and wisdom? And if we have an inflated view of ourselves and what we understand and what we can do in the Christian life, that it's, it's all about repaying God. Dude, like, we can't repay God. And that's what chapter 12 really begins to, to say is that we can do something, but, but there's no way to repay God for really what he's done for us. So it really begins with a proper view of God. Therefore, I urge you, this is chapter 12, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, recognizing who he is and that we, we can't repay him, just to offer your bodies, not to, it to be taken away from us, but to, to, be, to offer it as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing God. This is your true, and this is your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I think really the, the second part of this whole living out intentional community and, and really the life of a believer starts with a proper view of God, and I believe it really begins to get real when something happens inside of us. Because some of us in, in this room, like we've had we will agree, like yeah, I, I believe God, you know, he started everything, I believe he's creator, I, I believe he's Lord's you know, Savior. We'll go through that, but really like what's happened down in our heart like really, has there been a desire to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, or has it been a desire just to like get our get out of jail, get out of hell, free card? Like, is that really what has been the root kind of movement? And I believe it. Really, really, the next step is like a desire to be holy and desire to be transformed here, and it's something that's birthed within us. And so, for many years, the church has looked to, to try to coerce this. Coerce this as if there's something that we can do to transform, and maybe we'll do it from the outside in. But we we started this last week. It's really from the inside out, and it's a desire that that connects in our heart that wants to please God in view of who He is to offer our bodies because we want His will and not ours. Because we've seen where our will has gotten us, we've seen where things our way has gotten us, and I think desire really begins to make an impact when we connect connect it with intentionality in our actions. Desire really hits the floor when we put one foot in front of the other. That many times our good intentions are good for nothing, but intentionality can change everything. Good intentions are good. God sees the heart. He judges the heart. But sometimes they're good for nothing. But when we really begin to put one foot in front of the other and begin to be intentional about the life that God's called us to, we're going to see that real transformation take place. And it's not birthed out of behavior modification. It's birthed out of a desire to have all that he has for us, a desire to be holy, a desire to walk in his will, a recognition and a proper view of who God is. And so I'm calling us in 2015 to be intentional about our walk with God, not just kind of going through the motions of of normal Christian life but what has become normal Christian life, but, but in an intentional relationship where, man, I, my wife, like we, we have to put date night on the calendar. I get, things used to happen in community. Like things used to just happen on accident. Community just used to happen. There were screen doors. I mean, remember when screen doors happened? Some of you guys, and because that's you, you'd leave the door open and people would walk up to your house and you'd talk. You guys are too young for this. I know I am. I am too. Some of you folks that that are over 40 remember what I'm talking about. That there were no gated communities. Garages were a lot less of a thing. Our TVs weren't so big that we just are so locked into them. We couldn't stream everything on the internet. Life used to be a little bit different. There were front porches, not back porches. Community used to happen naturally, but it doesn't anymore. And the only way it's going to happen is with intentionality. We can't just think it's going to happen. And so if we're wondering why we're lonely, if we're wondering how we don't know how to interact and connect, we need to make some intentional steps of really being a part of the family of God. Let's continue reading. For by the grace given me, I say to every, every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, sober judgment, humility, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Let me just have a little confession here. A big part of my story and what God did in my life was breaking, um, thinking of myself more highly than I ought. Um, And it was really covering up a lot of pain. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But I I believe at the core kind of... um, step in my faith was moving and allowing God to shatter pride not even allowing him just to his grace and to his glory shattering pride in my life um, where I thought so highly of myself and I and I so much that I was so selfish my whole life was centered around me and really on a mission trip uh, my first mission trip ever and I, I I guess when I don't even know if when I went on it I was really a Christian but I feel like in that moment I crossed a line um, where a, 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 little, a little Mexican girl brought uh, me a bracelet. And in my whole life, it's been all about me and just the consumer American mentality and, and fighting for myself. And uh, this girl offers me this gift. And that probably doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, but in that moment, I can't describe the spiritual um, power of that gift from this little girl who had nothing else to offer me except for this little bracelet. And it was the simplicity of all I had to do was receive it. And how much joy was on her face in giving the gift. To me, this gringo from Florida. And there was such power in that. And so today, if we're in that place, and maybe we don't try to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but we just don't, think enough of God and we don't think enough of others, uh, allow God to to hand you the bracelet this morning and just realize that there's a big smile on his face and he just wants you to receive it and walk in what he's distributed to you. I really think the third piece of the the puzzle in this journey, and I know it's been an instrumental one for me, is the breaking down of pride. And that's a process. So, So much happened in that moment and so much had to happen over the next 10 years. In my life. And some of you may feel in that broken stage where God's breaking some things and it hurts. Um, But know that that process is good and God's doing something in you. And really, I I believe the number one thing that keeps us away from community is pride. I believe it's one of the top things that keeps us away from community. We'll cover it up with lots of excuses because we're good at those. We learned those in grade school about our homework, but we carry those over and we use those all the time. really because of fear and really because of pride. Those two things that we think we're good on our own. And let me tell you something. We will be good on our own until we're not. And then we'll look around and, and ask, God, how did I get here? Who can I turn to? You don't realize how much you need people until you need somebody? and we're we're so locked into this american ideology of we're going to take care of ourselves that we have no f- we have no idea how far we are from the biblical model of what it means to walk with god and walk with his family and so what i want us to press into is a real humility that we're okay anyone that's battled addiction in this room the last thing you want to tell yourself is i'm okay cuz that's when you stumble that's when you fall You never want to tell yourself that. And so many times we tell ourselves about that, about our loneliness, about the pain that's happened, about the ways in which uh, things don't feel complete or whole, and it's really just about about letting God shatter that pride in our life and walk in the humility that he's called us to, that he's distributed to us. Let's continue, verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, so he's going from this proper view of God and really beginning to say that there's something that should be happening the view of that mercy uh, we should begin to live a life of humility and not looking at more highly of ourselves and that's going to connect to what he's saying here for just as each of us have has one body with many members he's talking about our body parts and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body and each member underline belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift's prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's, to, if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He begins to talk about the, the family of God and how we're connected with one another and that there's diversity in our unity. And that's okay, and so I I really think the next step for us is beginning to embrace the diversity of our function and who we are. Not just introvert, extrovert, but that God's given each one of us a function. Not only embracing the function of others, but embracing the function that he's given us. Uh, Today, the Super Bowl contenders will be decided. I don't know who you're rooting for, um, but I begin to think of a team. You know, when you start talking about that, I grew up playing sports year-round, basketball and football mainly. I got bored with baseball, but now that I'm getting older—not old, but older—I I really like enjoy the slow pace. So it. it helps me un, unwind. Just the pitches and the boringness of it all is really relaxing. But I begin to think of a team, and I, I'm thinking of like Aaron Rodgers, you know, quarterback for the for the Green Bay Packers, um, playing hurt today. We'll see how things go. But he—I um, I just think of him after the game, sitting at the press conference, and like how I mean, whether they won or lost. I mean, let's let's pretend they win they win and asking him, hey, how'd, how'd you think the game went? How'd you think? Well, I think we could have blew them out by a lot more if my offensive lineman knew how to throw the ball. I mean, you're like, what? What do you, what do you mean? If they knew how to throw the ball, like they're not, they're not there to throw the ball. They're there to block for your goofy mustache. Like that's, like what if, why would we want the offensive lineman to be throwing the football? You're paid to throw the football. Why do we want that part to look like what I do? And we begin to, to judge and make judgments about what people aren't doing and are doing. And really, it's just embracing the function that God gives us and walking in that. And embracing that, that God's given a function for everyone else, too, and, and to embrace that. But it's also pursuing unity. Pursuing unity. That we, we aren't just called to get along, but we're called to belong. And that our gift belongs to all the others. So when we just talked about humility and pride, kind of brought up selfishness from my, in my own life, really some of that, not realizing that our gift doesn't actually belong to us in the body of Christ. called gifts of the Spirit. And God uses them in us and through us, but really it, it's about flowing through us and it really belongs to the body. Everybody has chores maybe in your house, have certain things they do, each one of us, we don't look at this as a chore, but it's a joy to be a part of the family of God. And that It's not just about getting along, but it's really about belonging and glorifying God as his body. And I think one of the aspects of being a believer is, is not just looking at people as they are, but really calling out what you, you see in them as Christ sees them. The gifts and, and the, the personality and the, the role in the body of Christ that he's called each one of us to. Every single one of us. We can make excuses. We're, we're good at them but really understanding and embracing the diversity of our functions and pursuing unity with all of our heart, guarding unity. someone talks about my mama, they're getting backhanded. If someone talks about my family, like there's a blood that boils, but how many times do we just allow a comment about someone in the body of Christ to just happen, and we don't backhand anybody? I'm not saying backhand anybody. They put me on the news. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying knock anybody out. But I'm saying where we really pursue unity and we put that intentionality with that as well. I want to wrap this up. We're not going to go through the entire chapter. But verse 9 says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Stay there. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. I think that the fifth thing here really for our journey and, and my, my prayer for our groups is, is A, A, that we go into everything and just have a proper view of God. We really embrace and engage um, with that desire that's in us to put one foot in front of the other, to be holy and to be transformed by the Lord and in community. To really walk in humility, to embrace the diversity of function and pursue unity. And also that we would operate in authentic love, something real. When we started this church, before we actually... A long time before we started this church, God really put a vision of what he wanted for, our, for the church that he was going to birth through me. And such a big element of that was honesty and authenticity. Uh, and we were incredibly intentional about the way we launched this church and the things we spoke about and the way, and I was so proud. Last week we had those cards and it said, I knew I was home when, there was a blank space as we celebrated and I was so blown away as I saw some of those laying around some of them online, that I, I I knew I was home when the conversations I were having I was having were real, when I could sense the authenticity in every aspect of of the church, um, and those are a realization not of just Some people getting together and having a good idea, but really it's something that God birthed in me a long time ago because the church, the church entity, capital C Church, has lost trust in our nation, generation. The church used to be a focal point of a community. They were on every street corner. Why is uh, all the, uh, the, the oldest churches downtown on the street corners? They were the focal point of the community. Everything built around them. They had the greatest influence and voice in the community. And I think we could all nod our head and say that's not the case anymore but a big part of our heart in starting this is is that God would restore trust in the church that we could have an influence in our community and that our community would not be the same if we weren't here. And so I'm thankful for each one of you that that come here and you come honestly and you come raw and just as you are and have real conversations about real struggles in life. and, And I'm thankful that we embody that. But, but some of us in the room, like we, we may just be in the religion mode and it's hard to be real for us because we're so good at lying. We're so good at covering up. We're afraid to, to look underneath the rug and see what we've stuffed under there. And when we begin to engage in community, when we get into our groups uh, this session, it's, it's really about showing the authenticity and being honest because if we can't be honest with others, we're certainly not being honest with ourselves. We're not putting one foot in front of the other with intentionality. And I, I think have if we're really going to want to grow, you, it's hard to, to start growing from a dishonest place. <laughs> and so I want to challenge you to, and every single one of us, I think part of the human fall and condition is that we are conscious of protecting ourselves and not sharing. And of course, we've got to use wisdom in how we do that, but... That's why God's put us here is to confess our sins to one another, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Let's finish reading uh, about seven, six or seven verses here. Be to, and, and Paul is just kind of going on and just kind of describing some of the things he's talking about. Be devoted to one another in love. Love, belonging to one another. Honor one another of yourself. Don't have a bloated sense of self. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Some of you are going to be hosts. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. Pursue unity with one another. Do not be proud, but be... Humility, there it is. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Um... There's there's so much through that, and it's just really about us embodying, living out the the community and biblical community that God's called us to. I want to transition and begin to to share a little bit about our anchor groups and what God's doing through them and what he's been doing in the past couple of years and what I really believe he's going to do in this season and what I'm really excited about. Um, When we first started anchor groups, and really far before we did, in the early church, the anchor was actually used... As a symbol that, Christians in persecution or areas of persecution, which was intense in the early church. I mean, they were putting people's heads on sticks. I mean, it, it was intense. Um, you can look it up historically. But they would wear an anchor on their chest, or they'd put that on their house, and it was a place of refuge. It was a place of hope, a place where they could find family, continue to move forward in their faith, could endure, be patient in affliction. It, it was a location, it was an identification of a safe place. And that's really what we, we launched our, our, our groups out of a place, a safe place for us to walk forward in our faith in an honest way. And really, our, our core values make up our, our model for discipleship. And really, what we see in Scripture is not just our model, but we see Jesus in that it, be, it all begins with unconditional love, in that he, Jesus meets us where we're at. He meets you right where you're at. And our, our first acceptance and understanding is knowing that Jesus is going to love us right where we're at when he offers that bracelet. And so the next step is really authentic community. He called the disciples out from what they were doing onto a journey that was going to be real, if things were going to get real, and that no disciple should ever walk alone. The third aspect is service, that Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and offer his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus was willing. He, he set the model for what leadership in the church looked like as he got on his knees, put a towel around his waist, and washed grown, grubby men's feet. third aspect is service. The fourth is creativity, that God's not finished with us. The creator is still creating new works of life in you and in me and through you and me and doing it together, that God's not finished. The artist is still painting, so don't judge too quick. So that was really, just the, the scriptures really paint the picture of what a disciple walks in, that God renews a right spirit in us and brings us into his, his vision for our life um, and really when we launched our anchor groups, there were really three aspects out of Acts chapter 2 uh, that we said we wanted to be a part, and so one leader led all three of these things within our groups, and, and one aspect was fellowship, Acts 2.42, that be devoted to fellowship, it's right there. So we wanted our groups to be getting together, hanging out, spending time with one, or just doing life together, at least once a month getting out and just doing something fun, go bowling or something second aspect was biblical study and just spending time together in God's Word, that this was going to be a weekly encounter, that people were going to be engaging and be devoted to the apostles' teaching, as Acts 2.42 says. And for us, that looks like sermon-based growth groups, that really we'd be getting together and what God was speaking to us on, the sun, on Sundays, what he was starting in us. We'd be getting in groups and allowing God to go further in our lives. How do I apply this? Let me talk out some of these things that God's dealing with me about during the week. And so biblical study was the second thing that we see in Acts 2.42. And the third thing was service, that we see Jesus' model in the early church begin to live out, as they gave gave freely of themselves to care for others. They actually, the scripture actually says that they sold property and possessions to care for those in need. Sold some stuff to care for those in need. That's powerful. So those are really the three functions of what we want our anchor groups to be from the beginning. And our first model looked something like this, is that one leader kind of led all those things. And we had several groups that were really flourishing and really thriving, but the problem was is that they couldn't thrive for long. The model wasn't sustainable. And you say, well, they were doing it in the early church. I agree. The 21st century is a little bit different at, at that time because of our schedules and because of just the whole way of our life, completely different. We'll have another conversation about that if you take issue with it. But it wasn't sustainable. We saw a, a massive amount of burnout in our group leaders. And what we didn't see is leaders rising to the surface within those groups. And so uh, last summer, we, we really switched our model from one leader leading all of these things and trying to keep all of these moving to a model like this. Still the same functions, still the same biblical model. But the, the organization of that was going to be a little bit different. That we'd have fellowship or what we call activity groups. We'd have biblical study and application groups, what we call growth groups. And service groups. And, and we have different leaders leading each one of these things on different schedules. It wasn't a weekly thing, or not all of them are weekly, some of them are monthly, some of them are bi weekly, uh, just different things. But these would, this community would be happening, these groups would be moving forward uh, in the call. And what we, we've seen as we've begun to get this started last summer it, is that it has. It's brought up new leaders and opportunity to lead within their giftedness, within their calling. Because someone may be a teacher, may be able to help with the biblical study and application, but really they don't have that that gift of evangelism and discipleship in that realm, and so it's allowed leaders to to be raised up through that. So this is the model that we're at, and honestly, we started last summer just to we just said, "Hey, we're going to try this and see how it goes," and it's not until this season that we're in right now that we actually see all of these aspects represented within our church. And so today we'll launch eight anchor groups, which is the most we've ever launched. Um, And the first time that we'll have every single one of these things represented with with leaders, I really believe are going to kill it this this semester. So I'm really excited about that, excited about what God's going to do through these. And our activity groups, we have a couple of groups. We have Joshua Brangenberg, raise your hand, uh, that's going to be leading a hiking group once a month where they're just going to go out, be with the Lord, and be with one another, and just uh, trek through wherever they decide to trek through. There's also a mom's group my wife leads uh, every other week for moms to just get together. Um, uh, most time it's during the day, so a lot of times for stay at home moms. Uh, there's, uh, in, in our gr- those are our two activity groups. And then uh, biblical study groups, we've got four of those. We've got a women's midweek group that meets right over here at, at Bartram Park Panera. Women get together there and, and just spend time with one another and go through the, the word and, and what God's doing in their life. Um, uh, we've got a, a men's uh, study group that meets once a month on the second Saturday every month. Jason Powell leads that. Um, uh, we have a, an Orange Park growth group. Jackie and Kenny Cavell back there lead that group and been leading it for about a year, I think. Is that about, about right? Yeah, uh, and and going well over there. So if you're on that west side, that's a great place to get connected or or just need. I think you guys are Thursday nights. Um, There And then there's a Mandarin um, slash Bartram Park growth group that meets right here in Bartram on Monday nights, beginning tomorrow night, 7.15. And Jason uh, and Alicia lead that group um, as well. Uh, We also have two service groups, which I'm really excited about. And both of these service groups are launching in locations that we've already started ministry. The first one is at the Ronald McDonald House. One of our first anchor groups in our first season started this relationship and poured into it for a year it was kind of dead last year as far as our relationship at Ronald McDonald, uh, but it's reviving. Um, once a month, one Sunday evening a month, um, Brenda Bradley's leading that group. We're excited about that. And then we started at uh, on Here for Good back in November. We reached out to Metro Kids Connection. Once a month, they're going to be reaching out to Metro Kids Connection up, up on the north side of town. Right next to the Cleveland Arms Apartments. And so Benaiah is going to be leading that group. And so I'm thrilled to death about what God's going to do through every single one of these and believe that God's going to do amazing things. But I want to read a text to you out of John chapter 17. And it's Jesus praying. It's Jesus praying to, to God. Like what more intimate communication. And listen to what he says My prayer is not for them alone, not just for his disciples. I pray. Also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one unity. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the, word may believe that you have, the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may, may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. here's what I I want to ask you to do today, is I want to ask you to be intentional in 2015 about community. To be intentional about the walk that he's given us to grow, to be holy, and to, to walk out his will, and to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. To walk in humility. To not make excuses, because one day we'll regret those excuses, because excuses just allow us to accept less of ourselves. And then really walk out the diversity in our body and, and the love that God's called us to do in our groups. And really believe for amazing things and understand that God has sent us. And Jesus' prayer in John 17 is that, that others, not just for us, but others would come to know his love. And we'd be brought to complete unity together. So here's what I want to ask you to do. In the seat backs in front of you or behind you, you'll find some note cards. And I want you to grab a pen and grab a note card. I want you to write five words on top of that, on top of that note card with me. Everybody got one? Yes and amen. Write five words. Write the word friends up at the top of it. Write the word family. Friends, family. Write the word factory, meaning work or firm, if you're in a more business professional, whatever friends, family, factory write the word fa- uh, fun write the word fellowship here's what I want to do is I want to give you 60 seconds it's a little exercise and get your brain moving because I want us to embody what Jesus said that uh, Jesus' prayer that it wouldn't just be about us that we would know it only but also others would come to know it And really this Welcome Home series is about people coming home to a relationship with God and coming home to a relationship with his body. So in 60 seconds, I want you to write as many people on that little note card as you can that are friends that might be interested, family that might be interested, people at work, people that would enjoy fun, people that would enjoy doing some fellowship together, serving, whatever that might look like. just want you to write some people down. So I'm giving you 60 seconds Go for it. Friends, family, people at work, factory, people that like having fun, people you enjoy being around, people who you know need some fellowship, need some people around them. begin writing friends family people at the factory time what's the most somebody wrote who think they wrote the most anybody who think they wrote the most come on how many do you write 12 awesome anybody else how many anybody write more than 12 it's good whether you wrote 12 or whether you wrote two god's put you in a, a place and brought them to your mind for a reason today I believe that. And so what I want to challenge you to do is this afternoon or tomorrow or tonight, make a phone call and invite them. Invite them to go to a group with you next month or this month, this week. Invite them to, to come with you to church next week. Invite them to come on Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to be doing a special thing on Super Bowl Sunday. Everyone, everybody wear their team jerseys and team colors. It's going to be fun. February 1st. Invite them that day. Invite them to a group this week. Don't just throw that thing in the trash. Don't please don't throw that thing in the trash. Please don't leave it behind because you don't know what journey someone's on, and you don't know the power of your invite. I let me sh- let me share a story of the power of an invite. When I was living in Georgia, there was this gal that um, was going through a lot her identity and and running from everything that God, she was giving herself away to anybody that would take her, running, and what what I saw happen in that girl's life through one invite was transformation completely in her identity, and it wasn't in some long stretch of time, it was in a very fast pace where she began to be a leader in the church, and it, it was just incredible as God began to just work in her, and it was through the power of an invite in a counseling session. Not even with me, with someone else. The power of an invite. 82% of people come to church and get involved because someone invited them. So I'm not doing this to put pressure on you, but to say let's be who God's called us to be. I want to ask you to stand today. And I want to pray for us. We're going to worship and we're going to come to the table. But let's pray together today.